raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Tony Katz. This is Kendall and Casey. The Amber and Nigel Show. All right, uh, when does your show start? Do we know? I feel like I've been promoting this for nine years now. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening, hello, and welcome to the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIBC. Uh, we had uh, quite a different show planned for you this evening, and what we ended up getting was absolute chaos this afternoon. There was a ton of news and not a lot of time to get there, so let's go ahead and break this first segment down with a quick news roundup. First of all, uh, Tucker Carlson finally did his interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin, and uh, it looks like uh, the fears that that I guess Tucker was just going to uh, bow down to Putin and say how wonderful and great and amazing he was and all that stuff didn't happen. Uh, people asked if Tucker had um, the stones to, for example, question Vladimir Putin over the imprisonment of an American Wall Street Journal uh, journalist. And uh, Tucker asked the question. Now, I will say that with this little bit of an asterisk and a caveat. That's all I'm going to say about the Tucker interview right now, because uh, it dropped an hour ago. And here I am doing the show with y'all. So I'm not going to tell you whether I think it was a great interview, terrible interview. All I can tell you is what I have seen and watched so far, which was the Wall Street Journal clip. And that apparently some hard hitting questions were asked and some other kind of open ended questions were asked. Moving on. President Biden has been exonerated after the Department of Justice special counsel Robert Hur concluded that, uh, yes, Biden mishandled classified documents and he did so willfully. Um, in fact, very willfully. It, it This is just incredible. Um, President Biden not only handled the classified documents inappropriately, uh, which, again, not like stuff just got taken out of the office and then and then stored at home. Uh, but according to the handwriting of President Biden's on folders, it looked like it looks like President Biden actually on his way out the door as vice president sorted classified information into Manila folders himself because he misspells Afghanistan the exact same way that he has for decades. Uh, now, the funny part here is that this is a. Uh, technically more damning in in terms of of evidence than uh, the concurrent case regarding uh, President Trump and also the other case regarding Hillary Clinton regarding classified document storage. Uh, But there's one slight difference, and that is the DOJ special counsel's reason uh, for not actually moving forward with charging President Biden in what is a very clear felony. We have considered that at trial. Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. Based on our direct interactions with and observations of him, he is someone who for many jurors will want to identify reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him, by then a former president well into his 80s, of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness. Uh, There you have it, ladies and gentlemen of the United States of America. President Biden is getting off on a serious felony charge because he cannot remember it. We're going to talk about that a little later on in the show today, because uh, the things that President Biden could not remember 
Oh, dear God, help this country. At the time they conducted these interviews, oh, dear God, help this country. President Biden is not leading the country. I don't mean that in the casual way that we all agree that uh, he's probably getting a little more influence and push from those in his cabinet. I mean directly at this moment, President Joe Biden is not in charge of this country. I can say that with every shred of affirmation based on this report from special counsel Robert Hur. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not crazy. It is verifiable that the president of the United States has aggressively, aggressively moved so far into the scummy pits of the dementia that he has sunken into up, not to his knees, up to his neck that I, I don't even I don't even know how to convey that he was able to finish this interview with special counsel. And now the White House is trying to cover it up. The Democrats here is on fire because at this point it would actually take. Donald Trump committing a genuine crime on Fifth Avenue in broad daylight, to use the old joke, in order for Joe Biden to pull this one out. I mean, the left is losing their minds right now because President Biden could not remember when his son died and could not specify if or when he was the vice president of the United States. And oh, here's the kicker. This interview took place on the day after Hamas struck Israel. So while the president of the United States is dealing with one of the greatest world situations known to man, he can't remember anything. I say again, God help us all. In other uh, more interesting news, I would say the Supreme Court of the United States took the Colorado lawyers who were arguing that uh, former President Donald Trump needs to be removed from the ballot due to the 14th Amendment of the United States. And every single one of the justices that spoke raked those Colorado lawyers over the coals, including Katanji Brown Jackson, the, the equity hire Supreme Court justice who uh, again, does not have like a, a rich legal knowledge. She couldn't answer basic questions about U.S. civics from the United States Senate. Uh, but even she noted that, and I, I will give her points for actually reading the 14th Amendment, that there is no part in the insurrection clause that shows uh, a president of the United States can incite insurrection because, you know, he's the president of the United States and he's in charge of the executive branch. Uh, furthermore, justices noted that... Uh, no one actually was directly ordered to do any kind of insurrection uh, and that the case is completely phony and bogus. And that's not what the 14th Amendment of the United States is meant for at all, objectively. So we could actually see the very first in a, in a serious what some would call a contested case, a 9-0 decision or an 8-1 decision from the Supreme Court in favor of Donald Trump, which is the correct opinion. But to have something objectively this correct come out of all of the justices is, again, pretty incredible. Illegal immigration is getting a lot worse. Uh, now it's not just those who snuck into the country, like the Venezuelan uh, migrants that beat the crap out of the New York City Police Department officers and then were let out with a zero dollar bail. Uh, there are groups of migrants who were let in with catch and release given a pending court date years from now, that have now been caught by state and federal forces in California selling fake IDs to other California-bound migrants so that they can hide in the United States and not go to their court dates indefinitely. Remember uh, all of those people that Biden wants to hire on the border? 
so they can do more catch and release. Again, very openly, Alejandro Mayorkas has openly stated that is his goal, to get as many people in the United States and entry-level processed as possible. Meaning we come in here, we give them a stamp, and then they go. And then their court case is in the future. Yeah, those people are actually the ones that are causing the problems now. So defrauding the already broken immigration system, President Biden has tried to blackmail the United States Congress, according to a Fox News report, uh, and by I say according to a Fox News report, the White House very openly published this, that if uh, Congress didn't get behind them and pass this uh, $60 billion to Ukraine bill and also opening the border bill disguised as some kind of a national security act, then President Biden would order Immigration Customs Enforcement or ICE to stop deporting people, which is illegal. But, I mean, you know, President Biden probably doesn't even know what he's doing. So everything's fine. This is fantastic. How great is it right at this moment to note that the Democrats put an giggling equity hire who has no idea what she's doing, who pulled less than 3% in her home state as the person they have on deck behind a walking corpse. Excellent stuff. I don't I just love comeuppance. And this is like the comeuppityest of comeuppance that has ever comeuppanced and commenced the comeuppance around us. It is fantastic. And I'm here for it because if we're going to have a dumpster fire, it might as well be a class five category alpha blaze. I mean, Smokey Bear should get offended at the state of the dumpster fire of this country. If it's going to be a bad one, it better be a really bad one. Up next, we are talking to Joel Berry from the Babylon Bee, because at a time like this, you just need a little bit of satire. So stick around for that. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kennedy Cast on 93 WIBC. Hey, welcome back to the Tony Kinnett cast on 93 WIBC. I'm Tony Kinnett, joined this evening by Joel Berry, the managing editor for the Babylon Bee, a satirical news publication that causes a fair amount of trouble. You've probably seen their headlines on Facebook, Twitter, or whatever social media that you're on, MySpace, I don't know. There's a lot of fantastic headlines that have given the people over at Snopes a headache, and that is a little bit about what we are talking about today. Joel, thanks for hopping on with us. How's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So Matt Walsh, which is how many great stories start. Matt Walsh <laughs> tweeted out that uh, slavery is world history and that white people didn't invent it and they weren't the first to practice it, but they were the first to abolish it. And then he pointed out the last uh, place in the world that was legal um, for slavery was Africa and it, that it wasn't abolished until 1981. And this irked one of the guys that considers himself a scholar of critical race theory and DEI, <laughs> Ibram X. Kendi. And he called this the ultimate white savior statement. I Ibram guess, X. Um, you mean, you mean Henry Rogers? Is that who you're talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Rogers, you know, the guy who wrote such classics as anti-racist baby, um, which I guess I didn't realize how insane <laughs> that book was until I had kids 
And I'm like reading them books. They have no idea what's going on because, you know, they're under the age of two. Uh-huh. I can't even imagine going now decolonization in the 1800s began with that's ridiculous so anywho you like many of us out there on the internet decided to throw in a little bit of sass you said call it what you want but it's a hundred percent true and this this absolutely set old henry rogers off and he got mad at you and said if you believe this to be 100 percent true then that means you believe black people contributed little to the abolition of slavery, which I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really even sure what that means. Um, (laughs) I'm just, I'm not really sure. And then he says that since you're so stuck on white saviors, you may want to save yourself from ignorance, which is another one that I, again, I don't, (laughs) I've studied critical race theory at the graduate level for like eight or nine years now. And I have no idea what he's trying to say there. Can you help me out? I don't think he knows what he's trying to say. Either. <laughs> it really is just, I mean, um, it, it, it's sad because, I mean, it, here's a guy. I mean, we make fun of his name because his real name is Henry Rogers. He's like right. an upper middle class private school educated kid that like got this African name, became this activist. He got fired from his uh, his college newspaper because he wrote an op ed saying that white people invented AIDS to, to genocide uh, black people. Um, and wow. so he's, he's, he's kind of always been this guy. He's, he's a bit of an ignoramus. And, and the, the sad thing to me is the fact that he's kind of, he's been elevated to this position really by white people, by white liberals to, mm-hmm. to act as kind of this spokesman, this, this anti-racist spokesman, um, you know, at the cost of, of uh, elevating, you know, black Americans who actually deserve to be elevated, people like Thomas Sowell and Clarice Thomas, people who are actually smart and know a few things. Um, instead, they lift up this guy. And so, yeah, I, um, I it, it kind of what, what he said kind of prompted a response from me because I I had looked into this for myself a few years ago. I was doing some research for some other writing I was doing and and I was shocked. I mean, I, I, I grew up, I was homeschooled for a while. I went to Christian school for a while. And even as like a evangelical Christian school kid, I had not learned um, the true history of, of America's abolition of slavery and, and how mm-hmm. it went down. Um, we're kind of all taught that, you know, slavery is in our DNA. We were founded on slavery. Um, and, and come to find out, uh, w- the, the colonies were trying to ban slavery before we even declared independence. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were trying to do this. King George was shutting them down. That was actually one of the reasons we declared independence was so that we could, so states would have the ability to, to ban slavery. And, and Vermont was the first uh, territory to ban it just a year after the Declaration of Independence was signed. Pennsylvania came along a year later. Um, by the time Great Britain banned slavery, I think all of the northern states had already banned it. You know, Great Britain kind of gets credit for being the first country to ban slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say uh, Haiti, while it was a French colony, that when the French banned slavery. But really, it was the, it was the American states who did it first. They, they were the leaders of the world. I, I think the rest of the world kind of got swept up in this revolution and, and followed the, the leadership of, of the founders of America, who were abolitionists at heart. Absolutely. And, um, and that's a history that's just not known. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating it that more people don't it, know it. Dude, it absolutely it grinds my gears, to quote the great <laughs> scholar Peter Griffin. Honestly, though, um, well, just to, to take a moment, we're on with Joel Berry from the Babylon Bee. 
uh, talking a little bit about, again, some of the, the goofiness that comes up when we start talking about history, education regarding the abolition of slavery. Because, again, you and I grew up both, you know, grew up in Indiana and we're often taught that the entire country was founded on slavery and that the United States had to be dragged kicking and screaming away from it. When in reality, half of the country had moved on voluntarily even before Great Britain. And mm -hmm. it wasn't just that, you know, suddenly the northern states one day decided that they were going to abolish slavery, like just they woke up and just inspiration struck the <laughs> northern Protestant denominations drove and i don't just mean that they kind of softly advocated for it kind of like a lot of modern protestant denominations do in regard to like pro-life issues but i mean mm -hmm. they drove this issue for decades and decades and yep. northern and independent baptists methodists uh not to mention the earlier presbyterians lutherans they were so aggressively anti-slavery that mm -hmm. when the civil war began you had like entire regiments that were just founded of like Bible thumping Protestants from the north who yeah. were eager to go fight for slavery. And may I mention some of the first lobbyists in the country were religious leaders from northern Protestants who tried to lobby the president of the United States during the Civil War to make it about slavery. We don't mm -hmm. we never talk about that. We, we never talk about it. it. It's like it is a history that's been erased is the, the great Christian movement uh, to abolish slavery, not just here, but in Europe, too. It was it was a mm -hmm. Christian movement. It was mostly a Methodist movement in Europe. Um, and the you know, we, we always hear the, the drumbeat that is constantly out there in the culture, in our entertainment, in our academia is that. Um, Christians use the Bible to justify slavery. Well, OK, right. The Bible has been used to justify every atrocity by evil people for thousands of years. I mean, they're using leftists are using the Bible to justify abortion and transing kids now. So nothing yeah, is the most powerful book in history. Of course, people are going to try to manipulate it to do stupid things. It, exactly. But you, there's no denying that that the abolitionist movement was at its core, a Christian movement. And uh, and it really it's it's been completely it's been completely erased. Um, you know, and people like Kendi should know better. He he was raised a Christian, um, and for him to kind of reject the the very foundations, the the very worldview that that led to the the freedom of of millions around the world to begin with is is just crazy. But it's strangely fitting though, because and this is one of the, the groups that that the Babylon Bee likes to pick on the most are these ex evangelicals. There's no <laughs> one as bitter as and look. You went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian school in high school. You and I both know how bitter some people are who grew up around Christians and grew up in the faith and yeah. then left it. I mean, the, mm -hmm. it's so palpable and it, it frustrates me because it's, it's so unnecessary. I mean, again, the majority of atheists that I've met are not even as militant as exvangelicals tend to be about these kinds oh, yeah. of things. So many excellent guests with us this evening that we just can't fit them all into one radio segment. That means you're going to have to head over to your favorite podcasting service and search the Tony Kinnett cast in order to hear the rest of this interview with Joel Berry, the managing editor of the Babylon Bee. Up next, we're talking to Senator Eric Schmidt from Missouri, who has a response to the Biden administration's insane blackmail of Republican senators regarding ICE deportations over the Ukraine funding bill. You are listening to the Tony Kinnett cast on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba -ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Tony Kinnick cast on 93 WIBC. We are joined by Senator Eric Schmidt, the junior senator from Missouri and the former attorney general, which is rather relevant given the stuff coming out of the White House, who is now threatening to reduce ICE deportations if Republicans don't pick up that slack and vote for the Ukraine funding along with the border bill. Senator, good morning. It's good to be with you. So tell me your your first reaction to this uh interesting well let's not call it blackmail let's just say uh very awkward threat from the white house i mean it's ridiculous i guess we shouldn't be all that surprised that this white house would would do something like this considering they completely just opened the floodgates you know day one really and it's it 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 felt at the time very reflexive like you know everything trump did was bad and we're going to reverse everything and we're seeing now the consequences of it you know nine million people here illegally but i think that one thing that that people probably don't talk about enough is this is willful. I mean, this is not like, um, you know, an accident. This is on purpose. They're, they're an open borders crowd. Um, you know, these are the, the people populating that white house now are true believers in this stuff. They don't really believe in the sovereignty of the United States. They don't think these borders mean anything. They think they're arbitrary. We're all global citizens and everybody should be able to come in, get processed, be citizens and get benefits. I mean, that's what they believe. So we really shouldn't be that surprised that we're at where we're at. Um, and you ultimately need an executive um, and an executive branch that wants to enforce the laws. And that's principally the problem. So this recent threat of not now, you know, deporting anyone or detaining anyone is par for the course, but ought to be still pretty shocking to people. Now, over the last couple of years, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, President Biden, as well as uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, and of course, Karine Jean-Pierre speaking for them in the press conferences had said that the border was secure and they said the border was secure up until about two months ago. Uh, what changed for them? It was it the American people was like, did immigrants suddenly start showing up to the border? What changed? Polling uh, and President Biden knows he's at real risk. Um, I think this is now the number one issue in front of Americans, um, even ahead of inflation and the economy, which are still big concerns for people and rightfully so. But this, you know, you know, unadulterated stream um, of people coming across the border, you know, the, the signals that are sent. So obviously they're not enforcing the law, but that sends a huge like flashing red light um, to the people who are moving these folks, which are the cartels. You know, we've been down there. A lot of people have been down there. But what you learn is they have these spheres of influence and pathways that not only do they, you know, traffic drugs through into the United States, but also people. And when they know and they're telling coaching people what to say, you know, seeking asylum, and then you have essentially people released into the interior of the United States and given court dates sometimes in the 2030s. That's what, why we're at where we're at, you know. And so um, the cartels are, are making a lot of money on this. They know um, what the deal is. And we have a completely open border. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. And, you know, no president in the history of the country has done this. Um, not even Barack Obama had this kind of um, malfeasance on his hands. So, 
it's um, it's the number one issue. They recognize it. And why you see this kind of ridiculous pivot now where they're like, well, you know, we'd have a secure border if it wasn't for those pesky MAGA Republicans and Donald Trump. I mean, nobody's buying this. It's it's a total joke. Well, that isn't that think, isn't I stopping them. Honestly, like between Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, there ought to be like a drinking game. But anytime <laughs> they say extremist or MAGA Republican, you got to drink in Washington, D.C. would be drunk by 10 in the morning. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is D.C. It might be not, anyway, right? Yeah. It's ter- not terribly unusual. On with Senator Schmidt, the junior senator from Missouri. Uh, so this is one of the things I wanted to mention. You talked about Joe Biden being a president that perhaps was uh, more loose handed on the border than any other president. Yet he's going around the country telling people that he can't touch the border unless the Republicans pass a law. I'm, I'm confused. Isn't immigration uh, through non points of entry, just crossing the border? Isn't that already illegal? Isn't that it why is. it's called illegal immigration? Yeah. And, and forever we've had a system where if you come here illegally, you're detained and deported. OK, maybe if you're seeking asylum, you, you would get a court date. Um, but those nine out of 10 of those claims are bogus and it can be very orderly and effective when you want to enforce the law. But you're to your point. Yes. Joe Biden has every authority he needs right now under existing law to secure our border. The laws haven't changed since Donald Trump was president and we had a secure border. There's a couple of things he could do right now with the stroke of a pen that have been you know, upheld by the courts. One is remain in Mexico instead of doing this catch and release where you don't ever see these people again, you make Mexico the waiting room for people as they're coming here. That would deter a lot, you know, the cartel activity and people would know it's not a completely open door. And it makes imagine, imagine if those individuals from that Venezuelan gang in New York City had to remain in Mexico instead of beating those cops in New York City and then getting a bus ticket to California. That's a very real world example. And those people would never even attempt it. Right. Or if they did, they'd be in Mexico waiting and they would be denied and they'd never get here. As opposed to this kind of like now we got to figure out where people are at. Uh, and, and I don't think this administration is committed to deporting people anyway. So there's no real consequence. Well, they just um, told I was getting ready to say they just they just told you that if you you guys don't, again, fund Ukraine, a bunch of other uh, foreign spending, as well as as foreign aid to Hamas, which we still haven't been able to prove actually goes to people in uh, Palestine uh, or, or in the Gaza Strip that are struggling, who need that aid, then how I'm just there are a few times as a as a commentator or as a columnist that I'm at a loss for words, openly admitting that you will deport yeah. less people if Republicans don't fund Ukraine is, is a wild one for me, regardless of your opinion on foreign policy spending. Yep. And they're abusing parole, right? You're supposed to be individual adjudications, but these are classifications or from a certain country what's patently illegal. You're not supposed to allow that to happen, but they're willfully ignoring the law. But look, I think it's time for people to fully appreciate what this is really about for the Democrats. It is about power and control. This is the same party that wants to blow up the filibuster so they can pack the Supreme Court, add states to the union, right? Um, and so they're playing for the 2030 census. Not a lot of people know this, but you don't have to be a citizen to be counted in the census. And that affects redistricting, that affects allocation of seats. There, I mean, this is clearly the game plan. Uh, and to create a problem so big that they believe the only solution is mass amnesty. So if you I think if you look at it from that context, a lot of this stuff actually makes sense. And then fundamentally, philosophically, they don't actually believe uh, that, you know, that borders mean anything that it's go into detail on that for me a little bit. When you say borders don't mean anything, what, what uh, give me a little give, give me a little more here. 
that, you know, we believe that a nation state, you can't have a country if you don't if you don't believe in the sovereignty of your border. Right. If you don't actually believe you're there to protect. And, you know, some people come here through a legal process and we don't want to tolerate people coming here illegally. They don't believe in that distinction. I mean, they don't believe in that distinction. So what they mean is that anybody from anywhere in the world as world citizens should be able to come here. And we should never tell them no. And one of the things in this border bill that blew up, thankfully, because it was essentially an open borders bill that was negotiated and Democrats got pretty much everything that they wanted. One of the things that was in there that not a lot of people were talking about was instead of these claims being handled through the normal judicial process, they were creating these asylum officers. Hmm. And nobody wants to be an asylum officer, really, to say no. So now all of a sudden you can be granted essentially citizenship at the border, not, you know, not through a court process, but through these asylum officers. This is look, if you were a you if you were a left wing open borders think tank, this is the kind of stuff you come up with in a white paper. The problem the country has right now is these people are now in positions of power. And uh, I think it's time to sort of wake up to what the agenda is really all about. Um, and the American people are with us on this. They understand they, they support legal immigration, but they don't support what's happening right now. We don't. It's a it's a it's a national security issue. We know for a fact there are people here who want to do us harm that have gotten here illegally. That's actually what I want to hit on. You're a senator from Missouri. I'm from Indiana. There are a lot of people who are listening to this that are from what many would consider flyover country that aren't even on the border. And I've spoken with a lot of families who are uh, Hispanic near Indianapolis. I know that in Missouri, you guys have a lot of individuals who immigrated into the United States legally. Yep. They're not really huge fans of this border crisis. In fact, I was talking to one individual who said that uh, the people that he's seeing cross the border on social media don't even appear to be Hispanic. They appear to be uh, Chinese nationals and, and individuals that might be on terror watch lists from Middle Eastern and Central Asian countries. You're on the Armed Services, Commerce and Joint Economic Committees. What kind of stuff have you seen that are big red flag moments for individuals crossing the border? The number of a single adult males coming. Um, that's a sort of a, sometimes a tell of what's happening. And we've never seen those kinds of numbers right now. Right. You've never seen those kinds of number. I mean, I'm told that it's, it's just pregnant women yeah, and right. like toddlers and, and AOC crying because of the cages. Yeah. All this sort of stuff the the histrionics that go into that, but no, that's what's happening. And you're right from the middle East, from China, we're seeing, you know, Folks from those places, there's travel agencies that are popping up in Africa to move people here because they're very well aware that anybody can come in right now. Travel they, agencies in Africa? Yes. For illegal immigration. For the purpose of getting people to a country, right, that they can make their way here. And so, look, it's become an industry and they're taking their cues from the Biden administration. You brought up a very important point, though. Some of the people who are most ardently opposed to this stream of illegal immigration are the people who've actually waited in line and came here legally. And they don't, they're tired of this. They don't like to see this. It's really an insult to them for following the law. So look, if you kind of come from this, this leftist world and you want to destroy important institutions and start all over, one of the things you do is you get people sort of disaffected. And, you know, if there's no distinction between what's legal and illegal or right or wrong, um, you, you know, you begin that sort of that process. And that's another sort of thing that's happening here. So I just think it's, it's a lot worse than people think. It's going to affect so many, um, so many different things. And you talk about Indiana and Missouri. Every state's a border state. And I don't mean that as some sort of cliche. 
The truth is the human trafficking is happening in all of our states. The fentanyl that's killing people in our communities is coming from China via our, you know, through our porous southern border. Uh, it's being enabled by this activity. And then, of course, you know, the real risk we have of something bad happening in the homeland. That's this is a gateway. And, and so, again, I, I think the Democrats uh, have just made a calculation that they view this as a path to success for them electorally and all the consequences be damned. And that's a very different calculation than I think. And I, I try to tell people that in this country right now, we're not arguing about little things. You know, we're not mm -hmm. arguing about what, you know, marginal tax rates, or, you know, things that you can have a reasonable kind of debate about or what's the best way to do this. Traditional Republican versus Democrat kind of debates. We're talking about big stuff. We're talking about them being a couple votes away in the United States Senate from packing the Supreme Court. Right. Because they just want to get their way or adding Washington, D.C. or Puerto Rico as a state just because they want to get their way or not even having a, a border that matters anymore just so they can get their way. So there's a lot on the line for this republic to remain intact where people actually there's accountability and you send people there to make decisions as opposed to this kind of results oriented approach, which has dominated the thinking from the legal perspective for so many years. You know, the Constitution doesn't mean much. It's a living and breathing document. And whatever I want it to mean is what it can mean that morning, depending on what I had for breakfast. That's kind of how they view it. And now you're seeing that mentality kind of seep into everything else. And we could get into the sort of the cultural Marxism of, D, of DEI and the CRT that's happening in our schools again um, to try to fundamentally dismantle the things that we have collectively believed in in this country. If you destroy all that and you can start all over, that's kind of their goal. Hmm. Senator Eric Schmidt, Jr., Senator from Missouri, formerly the Missouri Attorney General. Thank you very much for hopping on with us and breaking some of this down. Anytime. Take care. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIBC. Good evening and welcome back to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. As I have said uh, before, uh, there are a lot of times when I'm really thankful to be the last uh, local show of the air here on 93 WIBC. Uh, but it's also kind of a rough thing because there is a lot of news that tends to break in the later part of the day. And that is that through President Biden's exoneration, it has been revealed through the uh, special investigation that President Biden's dementia has progressed so severely that the day after Hamas attacked Israel, the man who holds the nuclear football, the nuclear codes, could not remember if or when he was the vice president and he could not remember when his son died. And by the way, this is the same time that his wife, Jill, was running around the country saying that any rumors that the president was declining in mental health is ridiculous at the prime of his stuff. So uh, I just want to make this clear on the air. Jill Biden is one of the worst human beings. She is a horrible wife. She is a terrible, terrible person. Any individual that would take someone who clearly has dementia 
and prop them up in front of other people to humiliate themselves is a despicable, disgusting person. And to be treated like that by your own wife is the height of filth. We're going to go through here's some of the other crazy things that are coming out, because as people pour over this special counsel report on Biden's document handling nightmare, it's, it's looking even worse than we thought. So here's an interesting clip. President Biden's ghost writer, after learning of the special counsel's appointment in this matter, Mr. Biden's ghostwriter deleted audio recordings he had created of his discussions with Mr. Biden during the writings of Mr. Biden's 2017 memoir. The recordings had significant evidentiary value. That's the obstruction of justice, ladies and gentlemen. You can't do that. But just like Hillary Clinton, who magically lost a lot of emails. Oh, shucksy doodles, darn. I'm sorry. The Department of Justice rules on obstruction of justice and evidence and fraud and a bunch of other things that you or I would be thrown in prison for at the federal level. That's really only for Republicans, guys. So so come on. He, he's old. After all, we, we take escaped Nazis uh, who participated in serious crimes, even though they're old and don't remember their own name. We charge and convict them for the last three years of your life. But if you're Joe Biden, you can't remember that you committed crimes. Oh, well, it's, it's fine. He only holds the nuclear codes. It's not any better after that because... The special counsel's report says, In his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, uh, forgetting the second day of the interview when his term began. He did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died. And for a guy that tells Gold Star families, survivors of wildfires and everything else, that he knows what they're going through because he lost his son Bo in Iraq... Uh, all of the people on the left that are, are are trying so hard to make excuses for the president because a JAG officer totally was exposed to burn pits and died from cancer at home years later. That's the same as losing uh, a soldier in active combat. Oh, dear God, help this country. What a mess. So here's the final statement. We've also considered that at trial, Biden would likely present himself to a jury as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, which leads a lot of people to now be making the case that we need to invoke the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment was brought about so that if a president was incapacitated, that we could peacefully transfer power to the vice president. I hate to tell you guys this, though. The 25th Amendment in its present state does not apply to patients of dementia. It doesn't. It didn't work during the Trump administration. It doesn't work now. You don't get to magically change the 25th Amendment because Biden has dementia. It's not what the amendment was written for. And you really wanting it to be true is not the case. Maybe there should be an amendment in the future, but it's kind of hard to measure a specific point to actually discern when an individual is mentally unable to be president of the United States. I'm just saying that as far as constitutional amendments are concerned, they are not infallible. And at the time, we did not actually conceive during the World War II nightmare of presidential leadership in this country that perhaps we might have a president someday whose problem was not stroking out and lying there in state for days, uh, but was indeed suffering from dementia. I will also mention this for those who are listening live. President Biden is set to address the nation at 745 Eastern this evening. So uh, he might be getting ready to tell uh, Charlie Chaplin that he's not going to the chocolate factory uh, because Marilyn Manson is dating a teddy bear. Uh, and considering that the president can speak to dead German chancellors, that's not entirely unlikely.
going to be an interesting next couple of days, that's for sure. You can catch all that stuff here. Thank you very much for tuning in this evening. You have been listening to the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC. We'll see you tomorrow. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.